listening to Season 2, Episode 10 of the 10-0 Podcast, the podcast designed for any athlete who knows they have more to give in this life to maximize their full potential. I'm your host, Danielle Gray, gymnast, fitness model, and founder of Train Like a Gymnast. Season 2 is almost coming to an end, and I can't believe it. We only have two episodes left, so if you're just now tuning in for the first time in the season, be sure you go back and catch up during our hiatus. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Mega Store, who is a health coach, former gymnast, and founder of the community Female Athlete Rising. It's no wonder I had to have her on the show, right? She's like my East Coast twin. She and I talk about life after sports and her almost deadly experiences she faced that made her realize it was time for a change. Hopefully, you don't have to experience anything that serious to snap you out of living up to expectations of others. Even the expectations we place on ourselves can paralyze us. And finally, we discuss how failure is actually something you should strive for. I hope you enjoy this conversation, find actionable steps, and stop putting yourself last. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Allow yourself to have fun. But before we jump in, I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Train Like a Gymnast's newest freebie. If you've ever wanted to train like a gymnast, I'm giving you a sneak peek into our VIP membership program by giving you 20 of my favorite gymnastics drills that you can do at home. These are the types of exercises our VIP members get in their training programs. Get in shape by doing exercises that lead towards something. These are my all-time favorite exercises that I did to get my competition body back and the ones that I still do to this day for maintenance. Give them a try. They're free. If you want to learn more about what our VIP membership offers, there will be a link for you to see if you qualify on the drills page. So just go to trainlikeagymnast.com slash drills. That's trainlikeagymnast.com slash drills to get your 20 of my favorite gymnastics drills that you can do at home. Today's guest is Megan Astor. She's a former gymnast, a health coach, and she's the founder of Female Athlete Rising. So you know, that's your, that's your title, right? So what is your story? So people can kind of relate and, uh, you know, story time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you, have this conversation, open up the conversation for the person who's listening right now. Um, but yeah, basically my story is, Pretty much, I started as a gymnast when I was like five or six years old. Um, My parents just kind of asked me like, hey, do you want to do gymnastics? And I was like, yeah, let me do this. (laughs) I just wanted to learn tricks and, you know, all those things. So um, started around then and then eventually, like really quickly, actually, I became a competitive gymnast. So I got onto the competition team and it was literally like the best thing ever. It was you know, like life-changing for me. I was like, this is so cool. I'm on competition team. This is amazing. I'm going to learn all these tricks. And, um, and that's pretty much, you know, how I'm sure most of our journeys started, you know, like just with super excitement and, you know, so much fun. So from there, I pretty much got up until like my teenage years, I was still competing. I didn't get like super far. Um, I think I actually ended when I was about a level six going into level seven. And then, you know, back when I was doing gymnastics, um, that was still kind of considered like compulsory, right? right. <laughs> um, you know, going into um, optional. 
So it was, it was fun, but that was kind of like where all the fear started to creep in. And that's kind of what um, pretty much drove me away from it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I left competitive gymnastics and then I just stuck with it in high school. So I did high school gymnastics, school gymnastics, which was way different. It was like a completely different ball game. Right. But I always felt like something was missing. And this is kind of like where I started to realize that I wanted to like fill a void, you know, because my whole childhood, I was thinking that I was going to be like the next Dominique Mucciano or, you know, uh, one of those famous gymnasts that you saw in the Olympics, you know? Um, I was say you look like her. You kind of remind me of her. <laughs> well, it's so funny because, yeah, my, um, my grandparents used to call me Dominique Luciano, like, <laughs> used to say that. So, you know, and, I, and then I kind of got it in my head, like, ooh, like, I look like her. I'm going to be like her, you know? And it was kind of like that comparison trap that I got into, and um, which I'm sure we can all, you know, like, we can all relate to. Um, and that didn't like happen. So I, f I always felt like there was something missing. And because high school gymnastics was very seasonal, I started doing track. So I joined track and I was doing that in the off seasons. And um, I did pole vaulting. I was a sprinter because as a gymnast, you don't run long distance. Nope. Um, <laughs> and it was fun, but there was still, I just still felt like there was something missing. And then Pretty much from there, I just kind of started creating these stories about myself that, you know, like I wasn't enough. And when I decided, you know, like when school was ending and we were trying to pick our majors and go into college, you know, my friends would ask me, are you going to go to school for gymnastics? Are you going to go to a school that has a gymnastics team? And by that point, I was kind of just like, no, I don't really feel like like I'm good enough to be in college gymnastics, you know? And then these were the stories that I started to tell myself. And that kind of took me into like my early twenties where I basically just started coming up with, again, like these negative belief systems that um, just kind of started to transform my life in a completely different way. And I ended up in, you know, like really unhealthy relationships with people because of it. Um, and you know, one in particular that was really, really unhealthy was four and a half years. And, um, you know, it was just a whole mess of stuff. So it was kind of like, only like maybe five years ago, I realized that all of those stories that I kept telling myself was bleeding into the rest of my life. And that's kind of where things started to really take like a completely different turn. And I kind of had to like check in with myself and, start making those shifts, start making um, those little changes that were going to kind of get me back to where I was, you know, to that excitement, to the love of the sport that I had, you know, and then transform that into loving my life and, you know, living a life that I was really happy about. We are the same person. That <laughs> <laughs> is so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so with that transition, I guess, I guess it's a two-part question. So with your transition from kind of athletics into the, into the real world, quote unquote, what, what were the emotions that you associate with that transition period? And then the second part of the question is what really made you start Female Athlete Rising? Right. Um, so I would have to say that the emotions were 
mostly fear. Um, I think they were all deeply rooted in fear, you know, fear of not knowing where I was going to be going now, you know, because for so long you train for this one particular thing and you put your heart and soul and so much into it that when it doesn't happen, it's, it, you know, it just, it puts a fear inside of you, you know, and then from that fear, you know, the next kind of steps after that become doubt, you know, you start to doubt yourself and then there's a little bit of shame and guilt and, you know, like, and then other things that happen within your life through that transition kind of take its toll in those senses too. And because of that fear and because of that doubt and shame and guilt, um, again, it just kind of like takes control of every other area of your life as well. So like that transition was just very, this was like a big realization for me. Like it was like fear, 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 just like screaming at me. Um, and it was just like that fear of the unknown fear of, you know, like, am I going to be able to find something to bring me that much joy again and to make me feel, you know, that same powerful athletic person that I once was, you know, how did I go from, from being that athletic, powerful person to now being just kind of like an ordinary person, you know, in everyday life, how do you go from an athlete to just being a regular person, you know? Um, so yeah, it was very, very much rooted in fear. And then all of those things kind of just like shadowed that. Um, and then as far as like a pivotal moment where I really started to make a shift was pretty much like, so basically, you know, within like that four and a half year time frame where things like really just kind of like, I don't know, I guess it, to me, it felt like I hit rock bottom. And, um, you know, I was really just like, like looking in the wrong places, you know, my health was like really at the tip of the iceberg of being like, you know, developing some kind of health issues. Um, I knew it was coming because I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't taking care of my body. Um, I wasn't really like moving my body. I was very like sedentary, um, going to college, working so many jobs. I was so stressed out. Um, there were two instances in particular that really like just kind of shook me. I had gotten into two car accidents for falling asleep at the wheel. Mm. Yeah. And it was kind of like in those, in those two moments and they were almost back to back that I realized something has to change. You know, like I can't keep living like this. Like I pretty much almost killed myself, you know, from being just literally like system overload. And I think, you know, like for, you know, for whoever's listening right now, like this is an important lesson for all of us, you know, like as athletes, we take on so much, we take on so much load, um, you know, in general, we're, you know, meant to be this determined, strong, committed, um, you know, like basically machine. And that's pretty much what I was doing. I was taking that from gymnastics and bringing that into my into the rest of my life and just kind of like taking on and taking on and, you know, taking care of this person and taking care of that person and not really putting myself first. Um, so it was really like those moments that I realized that I had to kind of like take a step back and really 
look from an outside perspective and make a different, like make a difference in my own life, you know, first. Right. And so for that one, you know, woman who's listening that this is really hitting home with, what, what steps did you take? Cause you know, you're, you've gotten past that you've experienced it, you've been in that. And now you're a health coach teaching others how to do this is like same here. Right. So right. what steps did you personally go through to get through that? And what steps can she take to take the first steps? Right. Um, so the first thing, the first step that I had to take was Honestly, well, the first step that I did take was like trusting, trusting the universe was going to have my back, um, you know, kind of, which is a really scary thing, you know, like letting something bigger than yourself kind of take control. Um, but for me, that meant releasing a lot of expectation that I had been placing on myself. So what I started doing was I started really thinking about, you know, like the expectations that I had, you know, taken on from, you know, different belief systems from my coaches, from my parents, from myself, you know, from teammates or things like that. And I really had to take a closer look at, you know, what these expectations really were and, you know, whether they were serving me or not. And pretty much what ended up coming forward was that they weren't serving me because I was constantly trying to live up to someone else's expectations, these like negative belief systems that really weren't actually true for me and certainly weren't serving me. So when this kind of pretty much like became really real to me, I started writing down every expectation I could think of. And, you know, there was, there was a book that I read that really changed my life. It was um, called Mastering Your Mean Girl by Melissa Ambrosini. She's also another um, health coach as well. Um, and I found this book right when I was beginning my health coaching journey. And it was like mind blowing, like, you know, that, that inner self-talk that, you know, you need to just kind of quiet down so you can really listen to your own thoughts and your, or not your own thoughts, but like your heart and your, your intuition. So one of the exercises that she had us, you know, kind of talked about in the book was writing down all the expectations, expectations that you place on yourself, expectations that you have taken on from your parents, you know, like, for instance, my family always said, you know, like, oh, you're, you look like Dominic Muciano, you're going to be the next Dominic Muciano. And like, then I was like, well, I believe that you know, like, and I think that, so I took on that expectation of trying to be the next Dominique Muciano, which really wasn't true for me, obviously, because it didn't take that path. So, you know, really just going deep with those expectations, because those expectations are going to limit the shit out of you. Like, they're really going to just continue to validate those negative stories that you keep telling yourself. And one by one, you read them out loud to yourself to recognize them, and then you consciously let them go. So, like, I actively cross them out one by one, and I'm, you know, I told myself, I'm ready to let this go. I'm ready to let this go. I'm ready to let this go. Some of them, there were still like a couple that I wasn't ready, but, you know, like, I had to work through a little bit and kind of sit with a little longer and 
but actively releasing those expectations, I mean, it opens up a whole new world for you. Like this is literally my, my one like main thing that I talk about. And the biggest thing that I work with my clients with is releasing these expectations because once those expectations are gone, the only thing that's left is opportunity and growth and expansion and, you know, fun and light and like all the good stuff. Right. Totally. Oh my gosh. Okay. Trying to take notes fast enough for these little, <laughs> little nuggets. I love it. So, okay. So this path, like you realized it within yourself and then you realized you could help other people in the same way. Now, like, what do you do to keep the love of gymnastics alive in your life? Like, do you still train for fun? Like, what do you do to, to keep that fire going? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I found that, you know, experimenting with different styles of movement really helps me. Um, and always, you know, like I always go back to gymnastics. I love doing handstands. I do them everywhere and every day and whenever I can. (laughs) Um, but you know, like I just, I feel in my body, like what feels good for me. So I really listen to my body and just like, you know, like one of the biggest things I always say, like something that somebody told me that really stuck with me was if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And I think back to when gymnastics was really, really fun for me. And I try to bring that into my movement and into my exercises and my workouts, because really, honestly, if you're not having fun, then, you know, like, what's the point? Like, you know, this, this whole, again, this comparison trap, like trying to be somebody that you're not is, is not helpful because it just takes the joy out of everything. You know, like, um, like if you're somebody who's, you know, trying to go for the aesthetic rather than the feeling behind that, then it's, it's not going to be enjoy, like you're not going to be able to enjoy it. So I really try to take that joy again, like I said, like the joy that I had from gymnastics, put it into my workouts and my everyday like life. So that way, I can just still feel like that, that gymnast that started gymnastics so excited. And, you know, like, that's kind of how I I keep it alive in my life. Aside from, I also coach, I was a coach for like 15 plus years. So teaching young girls gymnastics is also fun. So keeps it alive. Definitely. (laughs) Totally agreed there. So what do you say to people who, you know, do weightlifting and that's, that is what they love? Like, okay, maybe the aesthetic part of it is is fun for them so there are people who are all for that and there are people who are totally not kind of like i feel like the gymnasts or certain athletes are more so uh kind of keen to what their style of training is versus that aesthetic style so in your opinion and for you personally why is training for performance better than training for aesthetics? In my opinion, um, to be honest, I really feel that performance is just, it's more sustainable. And, you know, like we need to be able to perform in everyday life. We need the energy, you know, like as we go through life, you know, for somebody who's transitioning out of that sport, um, you know, if you're trying to reach this, you know, perceived outcome, which again, in my opinion, I feel like is an expectation, um, which is only going to limit you. 
um, you know, obviously like when you're, when you're exercising for those purposes, like, yeah, everybody wants to kind of look a certain way and look good. But I think the most important thing is the, per per the performance aspect, excuse me, is more about the deeper meaning behind that aesthetic. So, you know, that's the desired outcome. The desired outcome is how, what are you really striving to feel rather than look like? Because yeah, if you work out every day and you're weightlifting and you're, you know, you're going really heavy and you're going crazy and you enjoy that, that's great. And you know, you're going to look a certain way and you're probably going to look good, you know, but what is the true meaning behind that? How do you want to feel? That's, you know, like that I feel like is the most important part of like performance training rather than aesthetic training. Right. And that aesthetic will bring you that. So that is your ultimate outcome because right. if we're trying to look a certain way, like our body is changing every day and it's mm -hmm. almost like fighting a losing battle, which yeah. is what I kind of say, because you know, you're not gonna have your looks forever. So people who are tr constantly trying to like look like backwards, it's, it's just, you're never going to feel there. You're never going to feel good enough. It's always going to be something to change. So why not focus on the things that do last because emotions last forever. So mm -hmm. I love that, that point. So speaking to more of the, the mental and emotional side, what were, or what was the single biggest mental struggle for you as an athlete and how did you overcome it? Like, let's say you're back in practice, right? What is that, you know, when, when you hit that level between compulsory and optional and now things get harder, you're doing more like flight on beam, like all these things mm -hmm. that push you past that talent level. What was that one mental struggle and how did you overcome it? Hmm. That's really good. <laughs> um, I think honestly, the biggest mental struggle for me was, can I do this? You know, that, that pretty much questioning myself, like the thought of, I don't know if I can do this, you know, this is kind of like, I mean, obviously it is above my level right now, you know, like how, and you know, like my thought process was, okay, how do I level up from here without, you know, being scared? You know, it was that, like, I guess that fear of failure um, was really my biggest struggle. And I think because again, of that expectation, you know, like I had that high expectation of being the next Dominique Muciano. So like for me, you know, in that moment, like going from compulsory to optional, am I going to be able to live up to that? You know? So I think that was the biggest like mental struggle for me to get over that. But um, there's something that I teach that, you know, like I've kind of from thinking about all this and like working through all of this, throughout my journey from sports into everyday life and into now into, into health coaching and coaching my clients. Um, there's three things that I mainly focus on and I call them the three C's. I didn't know it then, but looking back now, this is something that I really try to try to live by, um, you know, to achieve any goal that I'm trying to work towards. And the first one is the commitment. The commitment is making that commitment to yourself, not to anybody else, not to your coach, not to your parents, not to, you know, anyone that's not yourself. You know, that is the most important thing, like committing to yourself 
and not even to that particular thing that you're working towards. You know, like, yes, I'm trying to get my flight on beam, but it's not even about the flight because most likely I can do it. You know, it's that creating that belief system that I can do it. I have the skill on floor. So, you know, I just have to put it to use on balance beam. Right. So it's making that commitment to yourself that I can do this. And then after that, it's practicing consistency, like consistency, just continuously showing up. Um, you know, I, kn I know that that's something that I'm sure like we see all over Instagram and all over the internet, like consistency is key, but it really holds its value. Like it really does. And, and when I teach about consistency, I talk about not just being consistent doing the skill, it's being consistently showing up, showing up for yourself, whether you are having your best day, whether you're having your worst day, whether you are falling, whether, you know, like whatever the case is, you are just consistently showing up no matter what. And I think that's really big because once you can commit and then be consistent, then you start to cultivate. You start to cultivate that confidence. You start to learn from the mistakes that you're making and being okay with failure. And I think a really another big point um, about, you know, these three C's is, you know, if you're listening right now and this is really, you know, like kind of hitting home for you, again, it's allowing yourself to be vulnerable. That's really what this is all about. You know, like I said earlier that, you know, like as athletes, as gymnasts, we're meant to be like mentally tough, emotionally tough, physically tough. But I think what's really important is to, you know, allow yourself to be vulnerable and, and be okay with failure because, Failure is the ultimate skill to learn because from failure, you learn to grow, you learn to expand and like deepen your meaning of life, deepen your, deepen your like practice in whatever it is that you're doing. So commit, consistent and cultivate, cultivate that confidence. Yeah. 100% that cycle. Yeah. You commit. I mean, yeah. you could even, you could apply it into something as small as one skill. You could apply it right. to as big as something in your life, mm -hmm. like your entire life. Like you're committing to yourself to do the skill. You're going to show up consistently to work on it and practice it. And then the results are going to start to show. With life, you are committed to being your best self, mm -hmm. right? You're going to stay consistent with investing in yourself. You're going to practice the tools that you learn. You're going to implement them with other people. You're going to show up your best and then that is what's going to change your life and the lives of others. I right. love how our stuff goes together. You know? <laughs> um, and then the last question that I ask everybody is your opinion. What does it mean to train like a gymnast? Hmm. I think, honestly, I think it means to train like a gymnast means like you're training for life. Like it doesn't end, you know, like you're constantly learning and evolving and that growth factor is always going to be there. Like training like a gymnast is a little bit of everything, you know, like you take what you learn from that sport, from that part of your life and you apply it to the rest of your life. You know, like I teach my clients to take the values and the, the principles that they've learned from that sport mm -hmm. and apply it to your life. Like, you know, you, you, it's good to have a coach, you know, to back you up on that. And it's good to like, you know, have somebody to bounce those ideas off of and to really help you gain those resources and gain those skills back.
but train like a gymnast. I mean, it's, it's just training for life. Like use those skills that you already know and put them to use in your everyday life. Exactly. You've already got it inside you. You have mm -hmm. that potential. You can do anything if you just tap into that. And, and anybody can train like a gymnast, right? You don't have to have been a gymnast. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. You just have to train like one. You do, yeah. see, you do, you learn, and then you just kind of apply. That's so perfect. I love it. We got a lot of good stuff today. Um, and for anybody listening, apply, like start committing right now, like do three C's, um, look at your expectations, look into that book, uh, mastering your mean girl. And, and if anybody wants to reach out to you or has questions, like where can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at the Meg thing, um, the underscore Meg underscore thing. I also um, just started another handle, um, another community-based um, thing for, it's called Female Athlete Rising. And um, that's also something that I'm really, really passionate about that I can't wait to share more about. So you can find me there as well. You can email me at hello at themegthing.com. And you can also head to my website, www.themegthing.com. Perfect. That will all be in the show notes. So if you're trying to type it all in right now, like you can just click, I'll add it there easily for you. And I love it. I am so proud of what you're doing because I feel it's very needed. It's something that we athletes, like we didn't, we don't have a resource really for this kind of thing. So I think it's awesome, especially for female athletes in general, because I feel like oftentimes we have a lot of the same issues as men, but it's overlooked or we're seen as, you know, the stereotypical stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But, but we, we're, I feel like a little more likely to put in the work or want to learn about ourselves and make a change. So uh, I think it's awesome what you're doing. Keep doing it. And I appreciate you for being on the podcast. Yay. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Real quick interruption. I'm hosting my first ever train like a gymnast retreat in Hawaii in February. I'm so excited about this retreat. Not only is it going to be a nice change of pace and be a fun chance to tumble around the island and snap some awesome photos with our professional photographer. Here's the deal. This retreat, it's going to change lives. If you're a formerly competitive athlete, parent of an athlete, aerialist, or gymnastics fan dreaming about changing your life starting with your mindset first, I swear when you get that piece, it changes the whole game for you. Your physical abilities will follow. I want you to walk away from the experience having such incredible breakthroughs and clarity that you can't wait to start executing once you get home. You'll miss your new family for sure, but you won't lose touch because by the end of this retreat, you'll be operating at your full potential. To learn more, just head to trainlikeagymnast.com slash retreat or go visit the link in the show notes for more information. If you've loved everything you've heard in this episode or have any takeaways, be sure to leave a review. And as a thank you, I'd like to send you our athlete success kit. I've included everything in this guide that helps me stay successful and productive personally and professionally. If you want your copy, just leave us a review and send us a screenshot to team at trainlikeagymnast.com and we'll shoot it right over to you. Until next time, train with purpose.